James chapter 1, verse 22. But be not, but be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Psalm chapter, Psalm 119, 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Tonight I want to preach to, uh, to tonight I want to preach about the Bible. <clears throat> I am ecstatic that we stand on the verge of 2013. 2012 was not a good year for me. And I'm not in no gross or immoral sin, but I am looking for 2013 to be, to be a better year than this was. I am a, I, I, I was a great, I was a great hearer. But what I fell short was doing. And as a man of God, through my wife, pastor, the men of this church that's on staff, and, and you uh, that call this church your home, I, I want to apologize to you. I prayed and I sought God's face and I repented of my sins and I asked God to forgive me. And as a Christian man, I ask you to forgive me. I, 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 I apologize and I ask you to forgive me. I want to be a better doer in 2013. And some of the verses that God has showed me uh, as I uh, focus on doing that this year, if you would take your Bibles and turn to Deuteronomy chapter 11, please. I'm not going to read these verses. We're going to hit some highlights uh, to save my time. Uh, but uh, in Deuteronomy chapter 11, verses 18 through 21, as I was reading this and as God has showed me some things, uh, uh, I highlighted some things. And I, uh, and I underlined some things in my Bible. And to be a doer of the word for me and for you as we enter into 2013, the first, in verse 18, it says this, Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 18, the Bible says this, Therefore shall ye lay up these my words in your heart and in your soul, and bind them for a sign upon your hand, that, ye, that they may be as frontals between your eyes. <clears throat> I see some things that we need to do with the word of God tonight. Not only do we need to do them as a Christian, but we need to do them as a church, as an individual. First of all, the Bible says, therefore shall ye lay. We should do some things with the word of God. We should uh, lay them on our heart. We should lay them on our soul and bind them to our hands. And they shall be frontals in our eyes. Skip down with me, if you would, please, to verse 19. I want to show you that the Christian life is a doing, a doing life and not just a hearing life only. And like I say, this is, where, this is where I fell short in 2012. Watch verse number 19, if you would, please. And ye shall. See, there again, you're doing something. There, there again, I am doing something. And it says, and ye shall. To save time, if you would jump down to verse 21, or verse 20, if you would uh, save some time with me a little bit. And I want to read this whole verse, if you would allow me to do that. It says, And thou shalt write them upon the door post of thine house and upon thy gates. Here again, the Bible says we ought to do some things. It says, And thou shalt. See, the Christian life is not sitting on the sideline, and this is what God has showed me, and this is what uh, the, my, my big deal was this year. Like I said, I was a great hearer. I was a great hearer of the word. But what I fell short was doing. Look, look at this, what this says. 
We're going to write them upon our door, the doorpost of our house. We're going to write them on our gate. So when we go out and as we come in our gate, we're going to be able to see the word of God. When we go in our homes and when we come out our homes, we're going to be able to see the word of God. But look at verse number 21, and I love this verse. I couldn't wait to get to this verse. It says that your days may be multiplied and the days of your children in the land which the Lord swear unto your father to give them as the days of heaven upon the earth. Upon the earth. I want my days to be multiplied. I want to live a long, healthy life. And to do that, then I need to do some things with the word of God. But uh, after the word them, there is a a comma. Look at what it says here. As the days of heaven upon the earth. You can have a little piece of heaven on earth. And I can have a little piece of heaven on earth if we would just do what the word of God says. Stop sitting on the sidelines and stop being, stop being a, a hero only, but let's be a doer. And, and, I want, and I want you to hold me accountable. I want to be a doer in 2013. Thank you, folks. Uh, John chapter 15, verse 9. As the Father hath loved me, so I loved you. Continue ye in my love. I'm here to tell you how much truth there is in that. This year, I have seen many things in my own life, and I am fairly new to the Christian life. I'll be the first one to tell you that. But the beginning of this year, my wife was diagnosed with cancer. Uh, in her thyroid, and that's what really took me to God. After praying to him to take the cancer from her, he answered my prayer in a powerful way. She had had half of her thyroid removed, and before she had the second half removed, the cancer was gone. Just a few weeks later, during her treatment, my stepdaughter was also diagnosed with cancer. She had cervical cancer. and Again, I found myself in prayer to the Lord. and The doctors were able to do what they needed to do. And praise God, it was gone. Amen. Just a couple weeks after that, my nephew, my wife and I's nephew, uh, was so desperate that he didn't know how to deal with it. and Unfortunately, he took his own life. That was still a hard one to deal with, but... After that, I found out how many people were praying for his soul that I now have no doubt where he is waiting for the rest of us. Just two weeks later, my father-in-law had been diagnosed with cancer. Eleven days, and uh, he went home to the Lord. And uh, you know, many people said, well, how can that be? He was in such good health. And the only thing I can say is the Lord answered another prayer. My father-in-law did not suffer. He didn't feel the pain. He didn't have to go through the treatment. Uh, he, he was in his 80s, so he lived a good, long life. Just two weeks after that, my mother was diagnosed with cancer in her kidneys. She had to lose a third of her kidney just the day before Thanksgiving. And uh, after being told certain that it was cancer and much more prayer to the Lord, 
when they took it out and they actually biopsied it, there was no cancer in it. I'm here to tell you that the Lord does answer prayers. There isn't a book in here that you can go through where somebody didn't pray for something. The Lord listened then and he still listens now. All right, thank you very much. And uh, we're going to go ahead and go on with uh, some piano playing. we got some of our younger ones. And so we're going to start with Emily. And Emily, if you'll just go ahead and come on up and play for us. And then right after Emily, we're going to have Grace. Grace will be right after Emily on, in the piano. And so come on up, Emily. Thank you very much. Sorry about that, I made a mistake. We're going to go ahead right into our next preacher, all right? And so we're going to have uh, one of our younger ones go, and Chase Campbell. If you'll go ahead and come on up, sir. And then right after Chase, we're going to have his older brother, Cody. All right, so Chase, you come on up here. Please turn to John chapter John chapter 3 verse 16 It says for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son for whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Look, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Amen. Would you give your son, son for the world? You would probably say yes now in real life, but in But in real life, you would say no. I love Jesus. Do you love Jesus? Look, it says, if you believed in him, should not perish. But if it's, it says, so it's saying that, that if you are not saved, you are going to... When you die, so you better get saved before you die. So go, go get saved.
if uh, you could open up your Bible to Ephesians 1-7, please. In Ephesians 1-7, it says, In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Now, when I was reading this, um, I realized that it says, In whom we have redemption through his blood. It doesn't say my blood. It doesn't say your blood. But I feel like we're realizing this, but we're not acting this. And uh, that's why uh, I have three things that we need to give to the Lord. First, we need to give up his time. You know that time when you're sitting there eating potato chips on the couch, watching TV? Or the time when you're on your computer for hours at a time? Well, instead of that, we could be in godly prayer or in our Bible. Um, secondly, we need to give his service. It says in Psalms 100, two, it says, serve the Lord with gladness. And uh, when we serve the Lord, we can't, you know, we can't be, wake up on that Sunday morning and, oh, Time to go to church again. We need to be glad. Because he's the one that does great and mighty things. He's the one who calms the waters. It wasn't us. It was him. Thirdly, we need to give him his voice. It says in Psalms 103, Know ye that the Lord he is God. Er, sorry. Psalms 2, serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Now, it also says in Psalms 45, it says in 47.7, For God is the king of the earth. Sing ye praises with understanding. And if we need to be singing he was the one that gave up his life. And uh, going into this next year, we should make, uh, we should be making up a promise to the Lord that we would try to give up those times where we're just sitting there doing nothing and we could be living for the Lord. Thank you. my clothes were ragged the world looked down on me i had no hope for tomorrow no for eternity then grace came with mercy and 
and heard this orphan's plead. Now I've been adopted from bondage I've been sent free. Now I'm no longer an orphan. Someone has rescued me. My garments no longer are tattered. My family is royalty. I came so empty-handed. No place to call my home. No one to really love me. But now look what I own. I feasting on the manna that comes from God on high. And there is no shortage. There is a vast supply. Now I'm no longer an orphan. Someone has rescued me. My garments no longer are tattered. My family is royalty. Now I'm no longer an orphan. Someone has rescued me. My garments no longer are tattered. My family is royalty. Now I'm no longer an orphan. My family is royalty. All right, great job, guys. And now we're going to get back to some of our preaching, and uh, we'll start uh, next with uh, Matthew Sparks. You go ahead, and then right after Matthew will be Caleb O'Donnell. All right, so come on up, Matthew, and then we'll have Caleb. So now we'll be preaching on salvation. Turn your Bible to Romans 3.23. And it says, for all have sinned, come short of the glory of God. Um, when we sin, we'll become farther away from God. So for example, if we don't go to church, we're leaning to temptation. We don't read our Bible, or we're disobeying. All those are uh, according to the devil instead of listening to God. And then John 3.16 it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Uh, God sent his only Son to die on the cross so that he can save our hearts from our sins for you and me. And then turn your Bibles to Romans It says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. When we ask Jesus into our hearts, he will forgive us and cleanse our hearts from our sins. And so he knows my name. Does he know your name? He'll say it today. If you have your Bibles, could you turn to Matthew chapter 14. 
I'll begin reading in verse 26. The Bible says, And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I. Be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter came down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and became... And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him, and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? I remember uh, telling my dad during our ele- the election recently, it seemed so many Christians just kept saying, all they would say is talk about how all we have is the pick of less, you know, the lesser of two evils, and there is just no hope for America. We're going downhill extremely fast, and they just go on and on and on. And then after all of that, they would say, but we got God on our side, so it's okay. Then why complain in the first place? You know, and I'd never understood that. I said, if we really have our eyes on God, what's the point of saying, well, our country's toast. Why even try? You know, we're never going to have a good president again. There's no hope. But we got Jesus. I'm really putting my faith in you, Lord, but there's no hope for America. And when I was reading this passage, I noticed when Peter's eyes were on Jesus, he was walking. He was getting closer to God. When he got distracted with the the storm around him, he started to sink. Our Christian lives in 2013, we don't have our eyes on Jesus, we will begin to sink. But the other thing I want to notice is Peter wasn't prideful at that very moment. One thing he realized, he was sinking, and he was sinking fast. We need to realize in 2013, right at this very moment, that if we are sinking, maybe it's time we make a resolution and turn our eyes on Jesus. He says, it says here, and immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him. If you're sinking, trust me, if you trust on Jesus, immediately he's going to stretch forth his hand and save you. We just have to keep our eyes on Jesus. When the storm's traveling around us and times get hard, as the preacher before us just said, different things came through his life. If we have our eyes on Jesus, we will be able to walk, and we will be able to draw closer to him. So in 2013, let's try to focus our eyes on Jesus. As this church moves forward, as you try to get in the carousel, let's keep our eyes on Jesus.
All right, of course, since this is our Wednesday night service, in just a minute, we're going to go ahead and uh, sing again as a congregational and then have an offering. But before we do, right before the break, we're going to go ahead, have, go ahead and have one more preacher, John Penrod. Why don't you come up here, sir? Okay, I'm going to preach on uh, fasting. Now, what is fasting to you guys? Well, most people think it's giving up food, giving up basically food, what churches do. I took it one step further. I went basically what you guys consider dumbing it down. I did lamest. Fasting is giving something up close to you. Basically, what I'm, what I'm getting at is if I ask you guys to give them something really close to you, like if it's a cell phone, just something really close to you, Xbox, whatever. You guys are going to have trouble doing that. And um, I'm going to uh, do some verses right now. If you guys may, can turn to Second Chronicles 20, verse 3. And in Second Chronicles 20, verse 3, it says, And Josephine feared and set himself to seek the Lord. And proclaimed a fast through all Judah. That basically what it's saying there, it's saying Jehoshaphat feared, and he went to he set himself to seek the Lord, and he he said basically I'm giving up everything until I get close to the Lord. It's not going well. I'll give up this a little bit, and I'll, I'll still do this. No, it's I'm I'm giving up everything uh, until I get close to the Lord, and he also said. To the whole land of Judah, you guys do the same. Basically, do what I do. And as this, there's there's a saying nowadays, do as I do, not as I say. He's saying do as I do and do what I say. And if you guys can, can you guys turn to Jonah three verse five? Jonah three verse five. It says, "So the people of Nineveh believed believed God." And proclaimed a fast through the greatest of them, even to the largest of them. That that basically means that you guys heard heard of a Jonah whale, right? He he got told to go to Nineveh. Well, basically Nineveh believed in God, and um, they proclaimed a fast. And it wasn't a small fast like oh a little family. It was the biggest fast anybody could see. And um, turn to Matthew chapter 4, verse 2, please. And this this is uh, Jesus in the wilderness. You guys know the story? When the devil kept tempting him and tempting him? Well, in Matthew uh, chapter four verse 4, verse 2, it says, And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterwards in hunger. Th- that's God... Jesus himself fasting 40 days, 40 nights to get, get closer. And he was going through the wilderness with the devil after those 40 days and 40 nights gone. If you're hungry, turn those rocks into bread. And that the devil kept tempting him and tempting him. And he, he wouldn't. He kept, no, I'm, I'm not. Um, turn to Matthew chapter 6, 17 and 18, please. 17 says, 
But thou, when thou fast, anoint thy head and wash thy face. Chapter 18 says, And thou appear unto men to fast, but unto thy father, which seeth in secret, shall reward thee openly. What this is saying, this is basically saying, chapter 17 was uh, saying, when you fast, wash your head, which I, I kind of got, anoint the head, which is basically, if I get this straight, it was back then they um, would wash their face and pour oil on their head. And God's basically saying, get, be clean when you fast. Don't go in temptation. And uh, verse 18 says, And um, to men you might appear as, oh, I'm fasting, okay. But God actually sees everything, every little detail you do. I mean, men might not. They might go, oh, he, he's, nah, he, nah, he's just fasting. But say you go like say you go to McDonald's and eat a burger. No, God sees that. And basically, what I'm asking you guys today is give up something important to you. See, see how hard it is. Get closer to God. Thank you. Okay, let's all stand. Let's all stand once again. Number twenty-two. Number twenty-two. Are you washed in the blood? Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you fully trusting in His grace this hour? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you walking daily by the Savior's side? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Do you rest each moment in the crucified? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? On the last, lay aside the garments that are stained with sin and be washed in the blood of the Lamb. There's a fountain flowing for the soul unclean. Oh, be washed in the blood of the Lamb. Are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless, are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? All right, let's go ahead and take up that offering. Brother Callahan, if you would, please turn and lift up your voice and ask the blessing.
Thank you. You may be seated. I think things are going along pretty well, don't you? Yeah. It's kind of neat to hear somebody play piano and then have somebody else turn around and play. That's just starting. It's kind of neat, isn't it? What's next on the schedule? Does anybody know? Are we just waiting? All right, who's up to preach yet? Obviously, Brother Hamilton's not able to be in here right now. Who's ready to preach? All right, come on up. Oh, okay. Oh, no, I'm sorry, Johnny. I thought you were scheduled. Everybody, who's scheduled to preach here? Because obviously, Mr. Hamilton's not able to. Being here right now. Go, John, go. He's got the list. John is smart, man. Who's up, John? No, Travis, you can put your hand down. Oh, brother. Oh, is that what we're waiting on? Okay. No, it's not next. Not, we're not ready for that one yet. Okay, there we go. Okay. Grace Hamilton, Preach, Cody, Mike Parks, Matthew James. Okay, Matthew, we're up. You're up to, to play, buddy. Come on up. You're up. And as soon as Matthew's done, we're going to go ahead and have, uh, well, we're not going to have Josh. He just played, didn't he? All right. So anyway, Matthew, go ahead and play for us, would you please? <coughs>
let's get back to a little more preaching. We're going to go ahead and have Sean Guyron come on up now. Brother Sean. Come on, brother. Mark chapter 11. Again, Mark chapter 11. I could find it. Thanks, Josh. Mark chapter 11, beginning in verse 15 through 17. And they came to Jerusalem, and Jesus went into the temple and began to cast out them that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the temples, I'm sorry, the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves and would not suffer that any man should carry any vessel through the temple. And he taught them, he taught, saying unto them, is it not written, My house shall be called of all nations the house of prayer, but ye have made it a den of thieves. You know, in today's world where it's so bad to get angry or fired up about anything, especially when it comes to God, if Jesus were to walk through most churches today, or uh, let's face it, most homes, or and started seeing things he didn't like, and he started throwing them over like he did the tables, he started driving them out like he did the money changers. And he said, enough with the selling and turning my house into a den of thieves. I believe most people today would probably say, no, no, Jesus. That's not acceptable in today's culture. We, we just don't do that. That's just not civilized. You know, we, we, yeah, I mean, quit being a savage. Quit, quit acting like such a barbarian. Get out of here. God forbid Jesus have any authority and show any anger toward anything that doesn't please him. I wonder tonight, us as Christians in our homes, our rooms, even our very souls, if there are things that Jesus would appear to walk into, would he come in here, look at it, and say, this has no place here, get it out, and he angrily drives it out. I know in my life this year, there are some things that Jesus was just trying to drive out of my life, some vices that I was permitting to stay in my life that hindered God's power. And I finally gained victory over some of those this year. And of course, the devil tried to replace them with new ones. Even to the point where, I hate to say at the end of this year, I'm limping through hoping that I don't get sick one more time before the year's over because the last 10 days it's been rough. But I just, I just wonder tonight. You know, I'm going to cut this short and make it brief, but what is in your life, or even in my life, that Jesus just says, you know what, this doesn't have any place, get it out. All right, we're back with the younger crowd. Go ahead on up here, buddy. Got it ready for you. Hi, my name is Lucas. And the title of this um, verse tonight is Jesus is Coming Back. Let's have a word of prayer. Dear God, thank you for this day you've given us. I hope you have a good time at light nights. Um, and I hope the other guys that are preaching and singing, Lord, have a good time. Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Let's 
take our Bibles tonight and go to Revelation. Nineteen eleven, and it says, "And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness and doth judge and make war." And um. We're learning about Jesus is coming back, and he's going to defeat the devil. No matter how powerful the devil is, the Lord will still beat him. Let's go down to Revelation 19:14, And it says here, And the army which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And Jesus is not going to be by himself. He's going to come with us that are in heaven. And the devil is coming with his army, that, which we're in hell. And that's really fun if we could be in heaven right now and ride flying horses. And I hope every one of you that are in here right now um, should get saved so you can go to heaven. All right, we've got a special treat tonight. It's something we haven't done before, but uh, we've got one of our church members that wanted to be here tonight and preach, but he's not able to get out, and so we were able to go to their house, record it, and so we're going to go ahead and uh, stream this for you right now, and so you can watch it, and so go ahead, guys, roll that. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. For as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. For he knoweth our frame, and he remembereth that we are dust. Psalms 103, 11 through 14. Can we forgive and forget? Here's four definitions that I want to give you. Forgiveness, the act of forgiving, pardon, or remission of an offense, crime, debt, fine, or penalty. Forget, lose the remembrance of, let go from memory to slight or neglect, like husbands. Remember, to have in mind, to call to mind, recollect, to preserve, to memory of, and conscience, the knowledge of all our actions or thoughts, and those of others. In 1 Timothy 4.2, he says, Speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. The word sear means, from the Greek, kateriso, meaning to cauterize or brand, render insensitive. In Holman's Bible Dictionary, he writes, The cauterization effect of hot iron was used by Paul to describe those with no conscience. That's Timothy, 1 Timothy 4.2. The Webster's Dictionary of, 19, of 1828 defines it as to burn to dryness or hardness the surface of anything. 
How many of you can remember Victrolas or Hi-Fis, phones with a dial, black and white TVs without a remote, TV screens no bigger than 7 inches in a 2-foot cabinet, or how about cars that didn't even have a gas gauge or GPS? Yet, be involved in an incident and remember every little detail. We hear the term forgive and forget used all the time, but can we really forgive and forget? It is very easy to forgive, but can we in most reality, reality ever forget? No matter what happens, no matter where we go or whatever we do, our memory, memory is always there. We may have events in our lives that affect us positively or negatively that we can remember in great detail, which makes us smile or cry. When it's written in 1 Timothy 4.2, of the conscience of the hypocrite being seared with a hot iron, it brings to mind of what chefs refer to searing of meat, which seals the juices, the surface to retain the juices of the meat. That makes me think of how it is that no matter what we say or do for God or the world, we can almost always remember it as though it was the same day or yesterday. I may not be the brightest bulb in the socket, which my wife can tell you that. And luckily she can tell you any time. <laughs> Yet I believe that God seals our memory and or conscience so that we can remember to keep us from making the same mistake twice and doing right for God and showing others what God has taught us. Sometimes we have a wrong done to us and do we remember to direct our revenge toward that or to guide us to a better situation. I believe that God wants us to use the wrong to guide us to his word for our betterment and not for doing harm. In closing, I can say that I can forgive, but God allows me not to forget for his good. Can you do the same? Do you remember for good or for evil? Only God can forgive. In Psalms 103.12 it says, as far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions, all of our sins, from us. Let's start this new year with the heart of true forgiveness toward all. All right, amen. I appreciate that. That was uh, Dale Abbott, if you're not familiar with him. And uh, maybe some of you remember two years ago, he preached at Light Nights from a Wheelchair. And I remember that, but this year he wasn't able to make it at all, and so uh, we were glad that he, we were able to, to do that for him. And now if you'll go ahead and uh, turn your Bibles to Job 27, and I always uh, leave myself the option of preaching if, uh, if the time is right, and I know Pastor does too, and so <laughs> we've got a little extra time here, so I'm going to go ahead and preach, and I might as well take advantage, get, don't get this opportunity every day. And so Job 27, verse 6, and uh, I don't know, it doesn't look like anybody's timing me, so this is great. I'm good to go. Uh, oh, no, we got someone. He doesn't have any signs, though. He'll have to figure out. Maybe he could just write it on his forehead or something, brother. That'll be right. Anyways, Job 27, 6, the Bible says, My righteousness I hold fast and will not let it go. My heart shall not reproach me so long as I live. And of course, Job is speaking here, and uh, what a great message is contained in just these few short words. And I look at the second part of that verse first, and it says, My heart shall not reproach me so long as I live. And I think about that, and I don't know that that's true in my life. And Job was able to say that he had 
the integrity each and every day to where he could not have reproach against himself in his heart. And you think about that, and if you have enough people around you who love you, they will, in, in many ways, they will lie for you. And, and I'm not saying necessarily in a horrible way or in, in, a, in a wrong way necessarily, but they will cover for you. And uh, if, if you have a spouse, and uh, hopefully your spouse is at least somewhat loyal, and they're not going to go around and tell everybody every little thing that you've done wrong. And, and they'll, they'll, they'll kind of maintain that facade a little bit and, and help you. And you know what? Many times, and not always, especially when they're very young, but your kids will do that as well. And your kids will cover for you and the mistakes that you make in your life and the things that you do, they'll cover for you and they'll understand. And I hope that you are surrounded by people who will understand when things go wrong in your life. That's what, that's what love is oftentimes, is not judging and not condemning. But no matter how many other people around you can cover for you and understand when you make mistakes, what about your own self, your own heart? I'm not talking about honest mistakes. We all make those and, and, and we, we make errors. We, we head the wrong direction unknowingly. But so oftentimes, if we're honest with ourselves, we'll realize that we are continually doing things wrong knowingly, intentionally doing things wrong. And we continue to engage in it day after day after day. Job says in this verse, my heart shall not reproach me. What a great testimony of a man whose integrity was so strong and so powerful that he could go through his each and every day with his head held high, look himself in the mirror, lay his head down on the pillow at night knowing that he didn't do anything wrong that day. That he did his best each and every day to live his life according to what God wanted him to do. That's real living. We come in here to church and, and we, we know, oftentimes know how to dress right and act right and talk right. We look right. We say all the right things when we, we, we shake hands. Uh, we, we can look just as spiritual as anybody else. But oftentimes we're not right. And we know that in our hearts. We know that beyond a shadow of a doubt. And perhaps no one else knows. We can hide it from our family. And we can hide it from our friends. And we can hide it even from those perhaps that we serve over or under in ministry. But we can't hide it from our own hearts. Perhaps that could be a resolution for us in this new year to live life in reality, knowing that we are right where we need to be with God. Well, then look at the first part of that verse where it says, my righteousness I hold fast and will not let it go. Each one of us in here has made some decisions and we're here tonight because we have a desire to live for God or love God and we, we want to do right things and we want to go in the right direction. And you're here tonight, but you know, there was a time not so long ago that there were others in this room that are not here tonight. At some point, they let go of their righteousness. At some point, they stopped holding fast to it. And I want to encourage you tonight, never, ever let it go. Never let it go. You're going to face trials and difficulties, tragedies. Temptations are going to come and they're going to attack you at any time. At any moment, they're going to just oftentimes multiply upon you. Satan's going to do everything he can to tear you apart, to destroy you. Will you hold fast? Will you hold fast to your righteousness? Oftentimes, the true measure of success in a Christian life is is not a great ability, is not a great talent, but it's just being there year after year after year after year. Through good times, through difficult times, through the, the best situations or the worst situations saying, I'm just going to keep on going no matter what. Each and every day, I am going to just hold fast. Will you be willing to do that? No matter what comes your way. Listen, 2012 had some great moments in your life. I'm sure it did. It probably had some difficult times as well. Are you holding fast? Are you just as strong today as we end this year as you were last year? 
2013 is going to have the same stuff. It's going to have a lot of wonderful things. Man, the Lord's going to bless. The Lord's going to bless in this church. And He's going to bless in your life. And He's going to bless perhaps in your ministry. And many great things are going to happen. And we'll rejoice over those things. But there will also be some hard times. There will be some difficulties. Will you hold fast? Will you hold fast to your righteousness no matter what? To have that determination. Oftentimes the, the scariest dog is the bulldog. And gets a hold of you and will not let go. That's the type of Christianity we need. Just sink our teeth into it. And no matter what, we'll never let it go. Thank you. Bibles, if you have them, we'll just take a few minutes, look over at the book of Jeremiah tonight, two simple verses, a real simple thought, Jeremiah chapter 7, verse 24, we'll start with, and then we're going to look at Jeremiah chapter 15, verse 6, Jeremiah chapter 7, verse 24, I'll give you a moment to get there, I know it's not an easy one to find in some cases, it's a pretty big book, but uh, it's in the Old Testament. Jeremiah chapter 7, 
verse 24. Notice what it says here. It says, But they hearkened not, nor inclined their ear, but walked in the counsels and in the imagination of their evil heart, and went backward and not forward. Then we look over at chapter 15, just a few chapters later, verse 6. There we read in verse 6, Thou hast forsaken me, saith the Lord. Thou art gone backward. Therefore will I stretch out my hand against thee and destroy thee. I am weary with repenting. Notice again, Thou hast forsaken me, saith the Lord. Thou art gone backward. If you ever played a sport or you ever did anything with uh, athletics, more than likely you had to uh, run races, you know, so to speak. You know, you'd maybe do a 40-yard dash, a 50-yard dash, maybe even a 100-yard dash. You'd have to do calisthenics. You'd do all kind of different uh, exercises to get in shape. I remember one of the favorite things I like to do is run backwards. The reason I like to run backwards so much is because I was never fast running forward. So when I ran backwards, I could, every once in a while, I could beat most of the guys running backwards. I could never beat anybody running forward because I wasn't that fast. The problem is, is that if they were running forward and I was running backward, I would lose horribly. If I ran forward versus running backwards, I can run faster forwards than backwards any time. But I liked running backwards, and a lot of times guys would fall and trip, and that was fun too. But the truth is, is that you don't get anywhere running backwards. you got to run forward. The children of Judah here had failed to remain steadfast and faithful. They had failed. They had been given every opportunity to succeed as far as the Lord Jesus Christ was concerned. They had fallen from God's favor as a result of their idolatry toward God. They had allowed it in their lives. And because idolatry had found its way in their heart, it had begun to permeate into their lives, their homes, their families, and it ultimately destroyed their nation. One of the greatest misnomers is that idolatry is about bowing down to a piece of wood or stone. That that is all that it is. That it's that simple. No, it's not that simple. The truth is that idolatry reveals itself in a number of ways. We're reminded of our passage here, and, and, and we noted some things about the children of Israel. And what we noted is that they failed to listen to God. They failed to obey His counsel, and thus they went astray in search of evil. The truth is, is that idolatry is any time that we put anything above or before the Lord Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter if we're bowing down literally to something. It's just when we allow something else to take the place of Jesus Christ in our life. In this case, they had, as we said here, allowed themselves to stop listening to God. They had failed to obey His counsel, and they had once again strayed from, uh, uh, from his, his goodness, and now they find themselves steeped in evil. The end result of their neglect was that they forsook the Lord. They forsook the Lord. To put anything... Anyone in place of God, as we said, is idolatry. In this case, they had placed something, someone in front of God, and now we find them forsaking Him. Too many times we, we look at the act of forsaking, and we say, I haven't forsaken God. But what we fail to realize is that we have 
forsaken God already because we place something else in his place. We don't have to consciously say, I am forsaking God to forsake God. We need only put something else in his place. And we have already forsaken God. Still tonight, I want to point out a very simple thought. And I think what's found right here in the scriptures, it's a very important principle. Number one, here's three simple things that we see concerning this thought. When you forsake the things of God, you are forsaking him. Okay, that's as simple as it is. When you're forsaking, when you forsake the things of God, you are forsaking him. Number two, when you forsake the things of God or him, you are going backwards. That's what the Bible teaches us. So when you lay your Bible aside and fail to read your Bible, you are no longer going forward. You are going backwards. And listen, you can only go one of two ways in the Christian life. You lay your Bible aside, you're going backwards. You cease from prayer, you're going backwards. When you quit from attending church and fail to go as you ought to be in the house of God, you are going backwards. When you fail to witness on behalf of Jesus Christ, you are going backwards. Number three, it must never be forgotten that the believer is either moving forward or backward. See, there is no neutral in the Christian life. That is one of the great deceptions that Satan gives us. He tells us that you can just coast along in the Christian life. You can't coast. There's no neutral. You are either going forward for God or you're going backwards for God or against God. You can't do that. And when you forsake God or his ways, you are immediately, ultimately, and without doubt, going backward. That's what the Bible teaches us. He says to the children of Israel, Thou hast forsaken me, saith the Lord. Thou art gone backward. You are either going forward or backward for Jesus Christ. I wonder today, as we enter into the year 2013, will you go forward for God? It's amazing the message that Brother Hamilton's brought, just that simple thought. It goes perfectly with what I'm talking about. But the truth is is that we need to go forward for God. We cannot go back. And therefore, we cannot lay our Bibles down. We cannot cease from prayer. We cannot stop attending God's house. We cannot stop going out knocking doors and reaching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Or we too, like Israel, will end up going backwards. I don't want to go backwards, and I don't think you do either. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 tonight, it says, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run. So run that ye may obtain. You will never get from that passage. If I polled everyone in the room tonight, and I said, well, you got to, so run that ye may obtain. How do you think that person's running? No one would have stood up and said, backwards. <clears throat> Nobody would have done that. Everybody would have said, forward. You don't win races running backward. You win races running forward. And so tonight, you and I as believers in Jesus Christ need to ensure that we never, ever, ever forsake the Lord Jesus Christ. That we are always abounding in the work of the Lord. That we remain faithful in our in the word of God. That we remain consistent in prayer. That we allow ourselves to be faithful in church attendance. That we continue to reach out with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And go forward for the cause of Christ. God help us tonight. To never go backward. But to go forward. Well. 
What's on the schedule, brother? <laughs> Good. I'll get you up here in a second. Are you ready to go forward? Are you ready to take up the banner, the cause of Christ tonight? I hope you are. I don't think you'd be here if you weren't. Let's face it, there's a lot of other places you could be tonight, huh? But you're here. I commend you for that, and I know the Lord Jesus Christ will bless you for it. I've enjoyed in hearing these young people. Young people, listen to me. You have a great opportunity to do what many of these adults have never done. That's live your life, your whole life for Jesus Christ. Don't ever let the world tell you you missed out on something because you didn't go out in that world and live like the devil. That's what he'll tell you. He'll tell you, well, ever since you was a little kid, you was in church. And ever since you was a little kid, you were serving the Lord by playing the piano and singing and preaching and, or, or going out on the couriers and, and that that's just nothing. That's, that's no big deal. You've never really enjoyed life. You're missing out on so many things. Don't you ever, ever, ever let the devil lie to you like that. You're missing out on some things, but you're not missing out on the good things. You're missing out on the bad things. You did a great job, all of you. Great job. You keep it up. You keep serving Jesus. You keep going forward, okay? Don't let him, don't let the devil tell you that it's not worth it. Because then before you know it, you'll be going backwards. Don't want to go there. Father, we come to you. We thank you again for this time that we've had together. Mr. Smith, why don't you come? Father, we just ask, Lord Jesus, that you'd bless us in these next few moments. Lord, I know that, Father, things have been a little different tonight. But, Lord, in our own hearts tonight, as we think about entering into the year 2013, maybe our prayer lives aren't what they ought to be. Maybe we haven't been as consistent in our Bible reading as we should. Possibly we have even questioned or doubted whether we should be consistent in our church attendance. And maybe our witness hasn't been what it ought to be as well. But, Lord, tonight help us to make decisions to, to go forward, to not forsake you, but to go forward. Lord, we need you tonight. Those messages that were preached by these youngsters are so basic, and yet, Lord, they're exactly what we need. Father, may you be with us tonight. Help us, Lord, and there may be a decision that needs to be made in our midst tonight. Lord, God forbid that we would stand between you and your Holy Spirit doing some work in some heart. So, Lord, in these next few moments, if there's work that needs to be done in our lives, prayers that need to be offered, Commitments that need to be made, surrenders that need to be done. Lord, may it be done for your glory. We'll thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Let's all stand to our feet. Every head bowed, every eye closed. This is the piano.